audio version of Michael Leitman's blog. February 16th, 2023. Whatever should be will be. Comment, a Sufi was asked, Venerable, why are there no traces of sadness on your face? I do not have anything worth grieving about the loss of, the Sufi replied. We are in sorrow all the time. We wanted something, but did not get it. A scratch on the car, we were fooled, or we were not given the position we wanted. We are constantly sad, all the time. My response, what a disaster. Question, yes. Humanity is like that. You see what is happening. It is in sorrow all the time. And this chain of sadness becomes our life. Can you, please, explain how not to be sad? How can we not be sad? Answer, first, accept everything as coming from nature, from the Creator. And there should be no objections. And ask for one thing all the time, rapprochement, connection, and adhesion. Then everything will be fine. Comment, but man is desire. And I always have desires. This one did not come to pass, that one did not come to pass, and still another one did not come to pass. How can I work with this? I am not filled with what I wanted to be filled with. My response, what would you like to be filled with? Comment, what would I like? You name it. My response, if you imagine that in the next minute you are gone, then everything is fine. Comment, yes then you are happy with the moment you are in now. That is all. My response, you are happy not because you are alive and have continued to live for one more minute but because you simply exist in this moment that the Creator has given you. And you live in it and try to adhere to Him. Of course, one must strive to the best of one's ability to ensure one's future, and so it is written in the Torah, but nothing more. Question, but if it is not secured, should I accept it? Answer, of course. Question, that is, I want something, but whatever happens, happens and that is it? Answer, yes, definitely. From Cab TV's News with Dr. Michael Laitman January 12, 2023 The general opinion the consequence of the influence of the upper force. Question. What does it mean to come to one opinion during a workshop? Answer, one opinion means that it island common, not personally mine, not personally yours, not personally someone else's, but our common opinion. It is not the sum of our personal opinions. The common opinion is a consequence of the influence of the upper force between us. There is no yours, mine, his, and others' opinions. There is no addition of them. There is just a willingness for the upper opinion to come and become ours. It should in no way relate to us, because by being at a certain degree, we want the upper opinion of the next degree to come, and we raise ourselves up to it. Comment, I'm trying to do it, but as a result I realize that I can't. My response, no, this is wrong. If you try to do it well, normally, slowly, and calmly, then you will be able to feel at least a small result of your effort. After all, you are waiting for the upper force that will lift you up and give you a completely different thought, 
and a different desire not your own, not others, but its own. From Cab TVs I got a call. Lithuanian Experiment March 13, 2012 How to level relationships between people. Comment, the Kabbalistic group is constantly in a certain brew. Like it or not, you pay attention to what is happening to others, conduct an analysis, and make a conclusion for yourself. It is not for nothing that you see it. My response, why do you need to know what is going on with them? You do not know yourself, you do not know them, and yet you want to conduct an analysis. This is an unreasonable approach. I have a crooked eye, a crooked level, and a crooked wall, and I want to do something even. How? Question, but then, how do we interact with these people? Answer, in no way. You are given another way out. Attract an upper dimension upon yourself. It will change and align everything. You will not do it, but it will, and it will do it in you, as there is nothing outside of you. Everything is in you. Do you want to have another world, do you want to see the relationship between people? Everything you want to see is done only by the change in yourself because everything exists in you and nowhere else. From Cab TVs I got a call. It is forbidden to reveal the soul March 31, 2012. Endless Dream Question can the 400 years that the Jewish people spent in exile be considered a period of a dream? Answer, the period of a dream is generally called the entire period before our common redemption from egoism because a dream is a minimal influence of light from above, which holds us, only in a physical form. This is the state we are in, now. Therefore, it is called a dream, the illumination of Vak that is, a small illumination of light that is not even felt by us. Where does life come from and why do electrons spin? Where does all the energy come from and how did our universe appear? Does it all come from an infinitely powerful explosion point, which is just one point, and all matter, energy, and information developed from it? We do not feel where it comes from. It goes away diffuses into the next dimension and comes from there again, but we do not feel these transitions. From Cab TVs I got a call. A 400 year long dream April 26, 2012. Why did the Nazis hate the Jews? Question, why did the Nazis pursue a policy directed against Jews? Answer. The fact is that after the Maher National Assembly, which adopted a constitution that equalized the rights of all the peoples of Germany, in particular Jews with Germans, it suddenly became clear that Jews occupied high positions in industry, science, and culture for several decades. According to the studies of political scientists and psychologists, this caused great envy and increased anti-Semitism. Before that, Everything was relatively quiet, although every day, anti-Semitism has always existed because it is in the blood of mankind. This is the realization by the peoples of the world that the Jews have something secret, and supposedly they rule the world, they know something, they hide something. Indeed, 
these people have a method of correcting the world. And now, when he offers it to everyone, no one wants to hear about it, because it is an anti-egoistic technique. But the feeling that the Jews have something is true. This attitude has always been with them. After all, the main thing is the struggle for whose God is either yours or mine, it cannot be both is what Christians believed. The Jews did not have this at all. God is the general force of nature. He is one. From Cab TV's I got a call. Why did the Nazis hate the Jews? The difference between the 20th and 21st centuries. Question, what is the difference between the beginning of the 21st century and the beginning of the 20th century? which was marked by the First World War and the need for changes in society. Answer, at the beginning of the 20th century, there was a fight for division, governance, and influence in the world. And today, at the beginning of the 21st century, there is a struggle for survival. It is clear to everyone that it is impossible to rule the world, as it was thought before. The world is governed by other forces, not ours and we must comprehend them and enter them. The 21st century is the century of comprehension of the upper collective governance, the upper mind, and our common eye. Until the 20th century, we developed in the search for knowledge, science, literature, and culture. The 20th century is the century of integration when we were obliged to communicate with each other through mutual trade, separation connection, war, and peace people began to move, relocate, and understand that the world is round. They lost the sense of the flatness on which they live and developed a feeling of a sphere. This is very important and is the result of the 20th century. And then we began to experience huge problems with integration. It happened very quickly and imperceptibly because we are entering a state where changes occur much faster than we can realize with our feelings and mind. It turns out that today we are in a state that we do not understand at all. There was a time when rulers would say, it will be so, and it was so. Then they would look at the world around them, consult their advisors, and say, it is better to do this or that. Today neither they nor their advisors understand anything. The time of kings has passed because it is impossible to follow whatever pops into the kings and his advisors' heads. Besides, there are no wise advisors left. So, we don't know what to rely on and what to do with ourselves. That is the problem. From Cab TV's I got a call. The difference between the 20th and 21st centuries February 11, 2012. New Life 257 Interdependent Relationships in the Neighborhood Hello and thanks for joining us on the New Life Show with Dr. Michael Leitman. Hello Dr. Leitman. Hello everyone. Hello Nitzamazoz. Hello. And today we'd like to learn how to really make our life new and better. And each time we take a different realm in life, a certain relationship that we have in life, and we try to understand how to improve it. And today we'd like to focus on the neighborhood that we live in. How can we take our own life, our family, in the neighborhood that we live in, 
and elevate everything to a higher degree, to a higher, better level. What are the relationships between the people living in the neighborhood and how can we improve them? And it's relevant to any person. doesn't matter where you're living. Nitsa, please. So, today we'd like to focus on the ties, relations that a person has or relationships that a person has with a neighborhood that he lives in. A neighborhood is some kind of urban unit in which there are many, many interactions between people living in the same area that share parks, kindergartens, sidewalks, roads, and many other things that are shared by all of us. And today we'd like to see what are these special, unique ties that exist between a person and the different people or services in a neighborhood? That's our first question. We see that the development of man, and this is something that we talked about many times on our shows, previous shows, that man's development is gradual, that we develop by the ego developing in us, and in our generation, we already reach a special state. And many scientists, researchers, thinkers are pointing out that our generation, the times that we're living in, are very special. That man has as if exhausted himself in technology and his approach to life from himself outwards and we as if have reached some kind of crisis in our relations from ourselves outwards as if with nature and now we really reached a bad state. There is the environment, nature, earth, closer, further away and in my attitude towards it, I see a bad response, a bad relation. And here we see that we have no choice, but eventually we need to change ourselves. Because this approach of all of humanity, politicians, economists, parents, children, everyone, Man's attitude toward the environment is not good. Whether it's a bigger or smaller environment, even all of mankind, we only see crises, crises over crises from me and my parents, my children, me and my wife, with the neighbors, neighborhood, with the city. In short, all of this is because of man's nature. And now, we're getting a kind of response from nature, from the environment, from the family, from everyone, that nonetheless forces us to change to some extent. We need to see it as an opportunity for the change of man, and by changing man, changing society, to a new 
reciprocal mutual forms. First and foremost. And like we said, in the family and with the kids and the parents, etc. Meaning we need to understand that correcting my relations with the neighborhood is pretty similar to how I'm supposed to correct myself in relation to my family. Because all in all we have here kids, women, men. We're in a common area. We pay money for it, for services, fire department, cleaning, electricity, lighting, parks, many different services, many different things. And besides security, the general atmosphere in the neighborhood is very important. My kids maybe go out to play or come late or women, etc. And maybe there are coffee shops, different shops in the neighborhood. Meaning it all has to do with the general neighborhood atmosphere, which is very important. We see how important it is. Besides the apartment building itself and the neighbors, the place that it's in, where the building is, and eventually, what is that neighborhood? When we tell someone the neighborhood that we live in, then it's clear, who am I, what am I? It's like, what street you live on in Manhattan, east, west? And what number? Up, down. So it's clear. Same thing here. And so we see that in Europe, it's like everything in the world is divided in a way that the north is more aristocratic and the south is more common. In the city, it's not always like that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that the south, that the south is always... Yeah, always more, they have a tougher life. Yeah. So, how do we come to heal the neighborhood? So, it's divided into many different fields. So, before that, I'd just like to add from an article that I read where it says about a certain research that explains that in the past, the neighborhood had a much greater influence over man. And then since the 70s, because man became more cosmopolitical and started getting his services from outside of the neighborhood, then this unit called neighborhood started disintegrating. But, but in recent years, the concept of the neighborhood, once again, is getting a new characteristic. It's not the neighborhood as it used to be at something else, and suddenly the neighborhood became something very essential. In many cases, like I said, it's a kind of status symbol I'm from this or that neighborhood. You say the name of the neighborhood, and already, you know, tell me what neighborhood you live in, I'm going to tell you who you are. So, when you come to buy a house, first of all, you choose the neighborhood, and there you go and search for an apartment, meaning the neighborhood is its very important. 
And the new neighborhoods understand this, and this is why there are many, for example, neighborhood committees, things that you know you don't have in the past. Meaning, the neighborhood is something that everyone understands that it's important, that we're dependent on it, and people try to keep it. Yeah. Now, every neighborhood has its own problems. The crises that it goes through. And when we did a review, we saw that there are many things that are common for many neighborhoods in Israel in general. And we'd like to bring up a few of them. And so maybe we can start with um, one of the things that people usually like a lot, which is the local park. People are willing to pay more in order to live next to some park, next to a garden, because it's pleasant to be near, close to nature. It's also a place to socialize. Usually people really like being near such places. However, such a place sometimes turns into a kind of bother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A place where sometimes different unpleasant events take place, vandalism. And so, in the neighborhood, in which there are different ties of interdependence, let's talk about the park. I'll give you an example. I come from a small village. I need to see vegetation. It calms me down. After I lived for 10 years, where all around me you had only concrete buildings. I said, I'd move here. It's an open, it's a city with green lungs. And I chose a neighborhood that seemed especially green to me. And I bought an apartment close to the park. I said, finally, some nature, some trees. And this is how I chose the place where I live for already five years. And then I started discovering different things that are related to the park itself. On Saturday, the people of Israel are barbecuing there. First of all, I smelled it. I know that my wife is not barbecuing and I, I smell a barbecue. That's what was at first because I didn't see where does it come from. Later I understood. Yeah, well, yeah on Saturday, uh, they're barbecuing in the park and I have it in my bedroom. Now also at night, if it's not winter, in the winter it's relatively quiet, but in the summer, when you want for the windows to be open to have air, I hear all the kids from downstairs in my bedroom. Birthday parties, we have different activities there, loudspeakers, games in the park downstairs and if you can somehow bear all these there's a new phenomena which is fear meaning what 
I don't allow my daughter, who's a teenager, to pass through the park in the dark. And so I found her a solution. She bypasses it when she gets off the bus. She'll uh, walk a few minutes more. And if there is darkness, this is the law at home, you don't cross through the park. And if to tell you the truth, I myself am also afraid if it's at the middle of the night, for example, I'm afraid to go there too, because when I go there, I find teenagers there at different ages that drink, that smoke, that suddenly start fighting. And the feeling in the air, I don't even know how to describe it. It's not that I ever had some specific problem there, but there's an unpleasant feeling in the air that because of the boredom, the aggression, you enter the park, you like enter a danger zone. Now, when I chose to buy my apartment next to the park, you know, I never dreamt about these things. I just wanted some green that calms me down. So it turns out that something that seemed nice that I was happy to be close to because of the way other people behave, but I don't even know who they are. It's not my next-door neighbor or someone that I understand who's giving me a hard time. Here there's something broader, a broader circle of relationships that's suffocating me. There's no one to turn to. That's the problem, that there's no one to turn to. My wife chose an apartment on the 19th floor in a building that faces a park and a big playground for children, different trampolines and things like that, and also a lake with fish, you know, big goldfish, big fat goldfish. The cats are standing there all the time watching them as if they can catch them. It's very interesting. But there... Really, they started drinking beer in the morning there, and then they started shouting there, and so the men got together, and I think that they did something, but it stopped. Afterwards, there were different Asian tourists that wanted to catch fish there and eat them. So they arranged that too. In short, the garden's protected nicely, it's clean, you don't have these or those. And I see, that's good and nice. Sure, you can always have the place cleaner and the dogs that walk around there. But you know, they're with their owners, of course. But relatively, yes. In order to demand more, you need to add lots of effort. So it depends on the people. We just need to understand. If I look at it in general, I'll say the following, that if we, according to the general plan of human development, to be connected with one another, then surely there will be more problems and troubles and reasons that will push us, or in order to push us to connection. And therefore, what's going on now 
It's just a temporary pause, a temporary break, and there will be problems again with the families, with the kids, in the park, in the neighborhood, doesn't matter where, in the city, in the country, in the world. All the problems and troubles, they awaken in order for us to connect, for us to be as one man and one heart, for us to reach some kind of connection, some kind of love, because this is actually the form that nature set as a goal in man's development. And we see it from the general form of nature, from its entire picture and its entire relation is global to everyone as one. And this way, all the still, vegetative, animate, all the different species and everything are one system. Besides man, who does whatever he feels like and really breaches all of this system of laws by his force, with his character, with his ego. It's interesting what you're saying, because come to think about it, every time I pass through the park, I see that there's this big sign that says the rules of behavior. Now, if you go over the rules of behavior, they describe everything that's going on there. You can't uh, start a barbecue in the park. That means that you have barbecue there. You can't make noise in the evening. It means that there's noise there in the evening. In short, everything that's written there, in reality, doesn't work. Meaning, we're trying to set rules, but it doesn't mean that they work. So, if a person wants to go wild, please do it at home. That's your own business. The problem is that he goes crazy in a place that influences me. He breaks the rules in a place that influences me. From above, so to speak, it will be arranged so that he will go crazy in his house and you will not be able to sit quietly in your house because the purpose of all this madness that you need to go through is in order for you to connect with others and change your attitude toward them and then toward you for you to enter some kind of good relationship. And not that you can sit behind closed locks and everything's going to be fine. To the contrary, you'll need to open your doors and to connect to everyone. And then specifically by that, we'll reach calm and tranquility and beauty and good. And then you'll smell plants and hear birds and quiet and beautiful clouds in the sky and the sun and everything's going to be even better than how it was in the village where I lived. Exactly. I'm not sure that I understand the connection between the problem that we have in the park and the solution that you offered, which is for us to connect, to reach positive connection. I'm a scientist, and I look at humanity and at life altogether through a general point of view, through the eyes of a scientist, psychology, philosophy, through a general point of view that includes also historic development, the evolution that we're going through, how does nature affect man, how does man affect nature, 
See how much is written nowadays about our attitude toward nature and what we do and what happens in return with all the hurricanes and tsunamis and everything. Everything is really pushed out of balance, starting to function improperly. And it is all attributed to man, whether it's directly or some even say that it's that it's our thoughts that determine these things, our attitude toward each other. I once told about it when I was in Oxford, and I talked to one researcher. We're sitting in a restaurant, a few of our friends were with me, and he said that they have about 60 stations around the world, and they're studying how the relations between people, how their mood, etc., etc., how it all influences the general atmosphere and the response of nature, etc. Meaning, these are known things, and this was many years ago, even before the beginning of the crisis, in 2004 maybe, about 10 years ago, at least. And what I want to say is that and this is actually how we should look at things, at the general trend that even though that according to our inner development we want to lock ourselves inside some concrete box, but in that concrete box we'd also like to have some fountain and fish and a slide for my kids and a few friends, little friends for them to play whenever they need it. When they don't, I'll throw them out. But it doesn't work out that way. And our nature forces us to nonetheless be egoists but to look for some kind of compromise, for something in the middle, between conceding to others and, you know, what do you do? And we need to understand that if the general trend in nature is to bring us to an equal form and positive connection because this is how the laws of nature work, how the entire system of nature works. So we need to understand that this is the entire reason for why we feel bad, for why there's a crisis, for why can't we escape anything, and why can't we egoistically nonetheless arrange anything, why can't all the wise people arrange our life properly, why? Because they continue making, building more and more walls, suppose, between people instead of starting to connect them. And instead of changing man, they want to change nature. And so by it, they create a much greater damage instead of benefiting, benefiting from it somehow, etc., etc. We need to understand that the trend will remain we won't be able to change the laws of nature, which is to bring everything to balance. Where do hurricanes come from? It's the balance between pressures in the atmosphere. Where do suddenly different turbulences on Earth come from? It comes from the balance within the ground, etc., etc. We can't stop these things. 
Maybe by our attitude toward nature we cause all this negative phenomena and there are many researchers that, according to statistics, they can really show that the connection exists. Now, when we talk about the different problems, both in the family, in the neighborhood, or at home, first of all, this is what we talked about now in the neighborhood, in the city, in the country, etc. We need to understand that these problems, all in all, they're all in the same direction, have the same reason, and if so, there should be the same solution. And let's find it, the general solution for everything, and then we'll see what it is. I think that it's impossible to solve all of this unless we change man. Why are we talking only about those teenagers or kids that make noise under his window or the parents that are barbecuing there or the dogs that I see that you can't walk in the neighborhood because of them? You can't walk in my neighborhood because of it, which is considered to be, you know, a very good neighborhood because of all the dogs. It's terrible. And no one feels like cleaning after their dog, even though that you have um, special bags for it and everything. But it doesn't work. So, and if suppose I see that someone doesn't clean, uh, clean up after their dog, if I tell them something, what's going to happen, even though that it's a good neighborhood? You know, in return, they'll respond in a way that it's better not to if a person doesn't understand. How is it that a person doesn't understand that all of these laws, rules, that they're in order to protect him, benefit him, won't help? It's all in order for us to correct ourselves. Why are we having this talk? In order to talk about what goes on in the neighborhood, is there someone that doesn't understand? People can talk, people can come here and talk much better than we do. But we're sitting here in order to say that the only cure that can be is change in man. Otherwise, what's the purpose of our talk? Who's not familiar with what goes on? And everyone knows that practically nothing can help. So you'll bring more police or pay some more money in order to have some kind of vigilantes walking around or whatever. We have no choice. Eventually, even if we connect as good neighbors and between us, we will have some kind of agreement of doing something. It won't work. It won't last. It will last only on condition that we start connecting. In light of this situation, but start connecting, meaning the reason for all of these bad things is for us to reach connection. And therefore, suppose now I just collect 100 shekels from everyone every month and we rent hire people that will clean after the dogs. Or we pay a few people that will 
walk around patrol at night, keep the quiet, will disperse the youth that's making noise, because all in all we need to give them some kind of place. They want it, they deserve it. But suppose it's all a matter of money, but it won't help. Give me a million dollars a month for the neighborhood, you will not be able to arrange it. You won't. Won't work. <coughs> I already saw these things with my relatives in Canada. No, won't work. Because eventually, the trend is that man needs to change himself. That's the direction. The problem is that we're corrupting nature and ourselves all the time and we've reached a stage in our development, in our gradual development, a stage where now we need to start connecting with one another positively above our ego, despite our ego. And I don't see any other solution here. There are many examples, like I put it, of different common initiatives in different neighborhoods. Now, they didn't hire someone else. They themselves made the move. I'll give you an example. That could help because we're connecting with each other in order to protect our neighborhood. So, the men go out, the women get organized, the kids... We come a bit out of our shelter, out of this box of ours. So that's something else, meaning we're already approaching each other. Then it might help. I saw this example on the Internet that supports what you're telling. There was a neighborhood in Israel that there were many burglaries there. It was terrible. Nothing helped. And then one person in the neighborhood got up and decided to make a move. He went out and put in all the mailboxes a note saying, do you know who's in your living room at night? And probably it really shook everyone up. And everyone united, connected, and established the neighborhood guard. That's how they called it. And it really helped. It practically brought down the burglaries to zero in, those in that neighborhood. Now, the beautiful thing is that they saw that it's good. And then they started developing additional things. For example, now they're working on culture and well-being and many other good things. But let's try and analyze what happened there. They united against some kind of external threat. Now, the external threat is just the reason for uniting. It's like you tell a kid, a child, there's a bear outside, you can't go in the dark or something. It's just the reason, the apparent reason. But really the reason was that we're aloof towards each other, and according to nature, we need to be in an integral mechanism like the entire global crisis is. We need to work against it. And our work is to unite positively, connect, 
What are the ways in which we can connect in a neighborhood? Usually what we see is that you can unite around any problem, meaning there are different types of problems. So we talked about noise, etc., etc., in the park, and there are burglaries and theft in other neighborhoods. We talked about that too. Now, there are different things around each such thing, phenomenon, people can unite or do nothing. What kind of idea or solution can we bring to a neighborhood which is innovative that will help people to unite, to connect positively, to bring their neighborhood to a better place? Nothing. Only trouble. I don't see any other reason that might force people to connect. I simply don't. How could it be? What will force me to deal with the quiet if there's no noise? To make sure that there's fresh air instead of the barbecue in the middle of my um, living room on Sabbath for Owen. Or that my little girls, that they can't walk uh, next to our house. Problems there are in every neighborhood. So if there are problems, then it depends on people, on how much we can educate them. So what are you offering a neighborhood? In every neighborhood there are problems, different kinds. Like the example that you gave about the good neighborhood, that there's trouble there too. If you take all the neighborhoods in the world, there are probably ten problems that are common for everyone. And there will be more. And or for us to connect, this is what I claim. Okay, so what do you offer a neighborhood to do if they want to improve their life? According to your method. First of all, there needs to be some initiative. Someone needs to initiate it until, God forbid, something happens, but preferably we don't come to that. But to, it's better to prevent than cure. So, women can talk to each other about what goes on. Men usually, they're more indifferent towards these things. But that's how to do it. And get up and force ourselves to connect, to determine all these things. I don't know. Possibly, if you ask me, I would come as a social psychologist, suppose, to some building or I'd send or I'd call a few people up and I'd, I'd invite myself to come and to explain to them what can be done because these are tr problems that exist everywhere. Okay, suppose you were invited. What do we do? First of all, I would have a nice, a nice gathering among them. They, they don't know themselves. They don't know each other. They don't know their neighbors. And if you're talking about a different building there, they don't know anyone altogether. And they don't really have to. But for the cooperation, because everyone is suffering, you need to have some kind of stronger connection than before. 
So I'd, I'd have a gathering for acquaintance purposes. And we talk about it. And so we'd reach some kind of a solution. Meaning, first of all, I would pull them, certainly, gently, to a greater connection between them. Because if we're talking about the inner reason, then only by the connection between them is it possible to solve the problem. But it's impossible to talk to them that way because man is against that. It's completely opposed to man's ego. That everyone will leave their apartment now, start connecting with the other neighbors, you know. Everyone is so snotty, doesn't want to know the other person. Leave me alone. I see that people in my building, there are some people that don't even say hello to each other. It's like I get into the elevator, it's as if I'm completely from the other side of the world or something. Sometimes there are those that from seventh floor and third floor, you know, they're friends. The women are friends and they talk to each other. And someone that comes down from the seventh floor, then the one on the third floor waits for her and they go down together in the elevator, so they talk. But in general, there's no talk in the elevator. Quiet. No one talks. It's as if you're in some kind of a in some kind of an office building or something. That's how everyone is. There it's even better. They somehow talk to each other. So, to talk to people about something about the connection, that's impossible around the neighborhood problems. Yeah, around the neighborhood problems. We need to do something. So we understand that there is a gathering and a neighborhood gathering, suppose. What happens on that gathering? What? You said that you want a gathering. Suppose somehow we arranged a gathering. I see that the young lady has a list of the neighborhood problems. So, let's uh, find out what are the problems. Let's prioritize them. What bugs us or bothers us more and less and let's start solving the problems. But again, to start solving it all only through our connection. It's not that now each of us commits to paying 100 shekels a month and we hire someone to take care of it. Okay, so there's a clear principle here. Uh, but how to explain it to them? That's the question, but that's the principle. Okay, not to take, uh, not to hire anyone, but to be personally involved. Yeah, but at least to start from afar like that, maybe somehow. If I try to think, why is it rational for me? Because naturally, I'll act, I'll, I'll be more concerned because the problem affects me. I, I don't want to, yeah, I don't even want to hear anything. 
If I can get rid of it for these pennies, for a hundred shekels, please, this is what a person thinks. We're in a very egoistic society. No one cares about the others. I can buy peace and quiet for uh, this petty sum, please. So if I understand correctly what you're saying, maybe the first thing that we need to awaken is a kind of care, concern, because right now there's indifference. So first of all, we need to awaken care among people in this kind of process. Suppose I was now appointed to be the head of the neighborhood committee. There's a serious problem in the neighborhood, and I invite everyone. How do I, what do I, I don't know. I think that waiting and reaching mature people is a very difficult kind of approach. It's only on condition that, God forbid, there's some kind of disaster. There needs to be something very traumatic. Yeah, yeah, that really shakes them up, and then they're willing to listen, and they're afraid. It's not some burglary in some apartment, or some dog, or some noise, or some barbecue, or whatever, no. And therefore, I'd approach it through um, activities for children in the neighborhood. Yeah. Have a park there, have some playground. So it's possible to come there and throw different activities for children, play games with them in a good, nice way. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the small neighborhood park, but maybe even in the city park, a bigger park, and before that to hand out flyers to invite everyone for women to come with their kids, and when women come, you can start talking to them. What I'm talking about is uh, women approaching other women, that it's not even men that throw these different activities for children. And then we do it through women. That's the main thing. Because man is, men are passive. There's no one to talk to there. It's the women that are operating everything. This is what we need to do. I think that this is the right approach. And at first we activate the kids and then give them a workshop. We give her a workshop. Kids, we sit them down together. We teach them how to talk to each other nicely. Do they know each other? Do you know the other kid? What color eyes does he have? Is I've developed them. We throw them different questions. We play different games with them, like questions, answers to open things, etc., etc. What's common for kids? And then by that, we can already pull the mothers, attract the mothers. The kids invite the moms. They shout, Mom, come, and she comes. And so we bring the mother into the game, and suddenly the mom understands that she's in a very interesting game. What kind of game? A game of connection. How do you connect? How do you meet? How do you get to know each other? In short, a workshop. Workshop. What we're actually experts in. And then, by these kinds of workshops, 
I don't see any other way but kids and moms. This is the easy, right, correct approach. I'll tell you furthermore, precisely in my neighborhood, on Saturday, at 9 a.m., Eight, nine, ten in the morning, the fathers with the kids go outside to the playground because mom's cleaning the house probably and is throwing them out of the house. And so they go out, usually with a newspaper in their hands something, the kids, like this, like that, and this is how they are. I, too, would use this time, maybe, maybe even with the fathers, because if a child will force his father, then he'll sit next to him, etc. Maybe we'll be able to do that this way, too. Um, I want to go back to the mother's second series, saying that there's a park, and... You throw different activities for the kids, and through that, you create connection. The, the, the goal is to create connection between people. Obviously, that's the reason for which we are in a bad society altogether, in order to create a good connection between us. Right. So in order to create a good connection, we start with the easiest circle, kids in the neighborhood. Yes. Okay, we gather the kids, give them some kind of game, we create a connection between them, and you're saying that as a result, we can also create a good connection between the mothers too. Yes. And we need to bring the mothers into some kind of workshop. What, what is this workshop? In the park? Yeah, yeah, right there. With the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After I did it with the kids, I do it, kids with their mothers, together, together, with a child. Okay, what do you do with them? Also a kind of workshop. What kind of workshop? doesn't matter. For example, some kind of acquaintance, something. Ask your wife. She knows. And now I can't focus on it because I'm thinking about other things. What's the purpose, the goal? The goal is to bring the mothers closer. How do you measure their closeness? How? To the measure in which they give each other credit. What do you mean? What do I mean? It means to... Lefagen in Hebrew means that I want for the other person to have it good. In general, in the simplest way. Not in depth, not with intentions, but to simply make them feel good. And I see that this is what comes out of the talk. It's not just kind of some kind of courtesy, but it's some kind of warmth, some kind of closeness, that we live next to each other, our kids are playing together, maybe in something we can already be friends. You know, to a certain limit, but already friends. And once I identify that there is some kind of chemistry between them, some kind of connection, I start giving them a topic to talk about. What's the topic? What's the problem in the park? What's the problem between 
the apartment buildings, or in the stairway, or with dogs, with problems, with it's dark, with the barbecuing, with everything. But in a nice way. What do you mean? In a nice way. That there will be gossip between them about this entire situation for sure. But the main thing is that it's towards correction. The discussion needs to be aimed towards correction. What do we need to do so that we will enjoy our common environment? How are we going to build our common environment? Why should we do it? What are we going to get out of it? You see, here I get into different, more inner scrutinies here. Because here I can pass on to them my core attitude towards it. How do you exactly do it? You said we start talking about the problems that we have in the neighborhood. With the dogs, darkness, the barbecue... And then you said, not just talk, but toward correcting the situation. Right, that we can't solve these problems by hiring cops and a few more cleaners and that we'll build a barbecue place somewhere beyond our neighborhood or something? No, it won't work. We need to change our attitude toward each other. And by changing our attitude toward each other, but will we be able to correct these things a bit, like in a family? First of all, we need to give them a feeling that our building, the neighbors, the neighborhood. It's like a family, only on a larger scale. But even though that it's on a larger scale with more people, it doesn't mean that I can break those core relations, rules that exist in a family, which mutual help I'm not talking about personal, the personal relations between a man and a woman in the family, but besides that, that they're human beings, there needs to be mutual help between all the men and the women and between everyone and in relation to the kids in the neighborhood, that all in all, the entire neighborhood is like this one big man and one big woman and their kids, two or three of them, even though the, it could be thousands of people. But that's how I look at the neighborhood, that it's one family. And this the image that I depict to myself. And the, what's good for this image? They need a kindergarten, they need a pool, they need a school, they need vegetation, they need for things to be clean so that my son, my little child, won't pick up different garbage from dogs or other things that can be that maybe we need to have a playground for dogs, for them to be there. Yeah, almost, there's a dog almost in every home. But there are places for dogs and places for children. It doesn't need to be the same place. There's a place for barbecue. Let's see where can we do it. Let's even make such a place and decide that all of us go there. And then you too will have a barbecue there.
with everyone. Can you imagine it? Not really. We need to work on him a lot. This is beautiful because you gave a need for each of the different needs. You didn't cancel any need. Of course not. If people want to enjoy. Yeah, for the dog, for the barbecue, for the kids. But we come to it from some kind of agreement only from seeing the entire neighborhood in front of our very eyes like one home in which there's a man, a woman, two kids, suppose an average, a boy and a girl, and then we understand how things need to be, and only through connection. Going back to the kids in the park with their moms, how do you start generating this feeling in the moms that the entire neighborhood is like one family that has different needs? Through a conversation. You can start it with some kind of activity for the kids, for the girls. For no, no, I'm not asking about the activities for kids. I understand where you're headed. You want to create, generate this feeling among the people living in that neighborhood that were one family, one man, one woman, two kids, and a dog. Let's see, what do we need? And let's arrange our life in the best possible way. So I set everyone down, suppose all the girls, and I started some kind of game with them in a circle. They're sitting in a circle, and then in some way I reach a state where they call their moms, and then the moms, I said, sit behind them, and then we start this getting to know each other game, acquaintance game. No problem. Okay, we did the game. How do you generate a feeling that we're one family because we're not? No. So we talk about how interconnected, interdependent we are, how much we depend on our environment, what do we have in common and what don't we. I play with it. This is something that I play with the girls and I attract the mothers to it too. I don't, I'm not familiar with the tiny psychological nuances of how to approach it. No, that's not what I'm asking about. The goal that you set to generate a feeling in people that are their own family. No, that happens gradually. What are the stops on the way that we talk about our common troubles, problems? And then by that, you come closer to the other person. What I still don't understand is, if, we're ta if we talk about our common problems, what's the problem that, instead of you confusing me with different activities in the neighborhood for kids and whatever, why not just give a hundred shekels, let's arrange someone to do it, and that's it. I'm not going to go. My, my wife will be there, and she'll tell me that everyone decided that in order to improve the situation, for the benefit of all of us, this I guess. We need to put a hundred shekels. Great, take a hundred shekels, no problem. Each of us puts a hundred shekels. We have a common problem, we have a common solution, we solve it together. Or is it not good? Because previously you said that it's not, but
but only through creating connection and unity between people. Why, if I agree to participate with everyone and what you decided that's going to be common, why is this not enough? You don't solve the problem by it. I know that by this, you don't solve the problem with your hundred shekels. You don't solve the problem. You said, give the neighborhood a million dollars a month, you won't solve the problems. Why? Because suddenly the problems will erupt in a different way. So you're offering a different plan that will prevent the problems from erupting. What, what's special about it? Connection between people. Where do we have all the problems that we have in this general crisis, which is really popping out of all holes. It's a result of lack of connection between people. That's the neighborhood's problem. That's the problem of humanity, which is one big neighborhood. And therefore, you're going to measure everything that you offer the neighborhood to do. No. Slowly, slowly. I can't all at once. Yeah, I'm only asking about the direction. Of course. This is what I aspire for for building connection between people. Yes. So that they'll have mutual activities, uh, one big picnic for everyone, one big barbecue for everyone. doesn't matter what. They will fill themselves. It's going to be a fulfillment for everyone. What do you mean by fulfillment? Meaning a feeling, a sense of fulfillment. Those teenagers that are sitting uh, at night making noise, let them play, play something for us. We'll barbecue, we'll make cakes, we'll have a feast on the grass, and those teenagers that are making noise at night, let them throw us a concert now. Great, we'll be happy. Where I grew up, this is how it was. Before the holidays, we used to practice for a month. How are we going to put up a theater act, music, for the entire community? But it doesn't work that way in the city. So arrange it. You need to give them an option to express themselves this way. All the more. Why not? So you need to check what would they like to do. No, for sure they'd like to perform in front of everyone. No, no question. So to take their desires, to perform, maybe to even be a bit famous in the neighborhood, and to take that need, you also need to invest some money into it. I'd open a beauty parlor for moms, for free. There too, you know, women from the neighborhood work there, you know, doing things for each other. Yeah, they talk here, talk there. Our time's almost up. In a sentence or two, can you describe what is a perfect neighborhood? Everyone feels as one corrected family. That's it. That they're close to each other, they understand each other, they feel good with each other. It's not simple. It's something that you need to work on every time. Because every time I want to throw everyone out, I have to say no, nonetheless, it's for my kids, for me, it's against the, the noise and the smell and the whatever. It's beneficial for me to be close to them. I need to work on it. 
And I don't just work on it as one of the residents, but there's someone that helps, some neighborhood psychologist that works with us all the time. And we do pay him that 100 shekels, but he's working with us all the time. He's awakening us all the time that if we forget that we need to treat each other favorably, then things are going to deteriorate. My neighborhood, for example, was much better before in relation to what dogs leave behind them and noise and you name it. There's a deterioration. At first, people wanted to keep it and everything. And today, you know, people learn from each other. So, what I understand is a good neighborhood is that we're all one family. Yes, thank you very much, Dr. Leitman. Thank you, Nitsa. Thank you for being with us. Till next time, all the best. Michael Leitman, on Quora, are the Jewish people still in exile? Being Jewish means attaining the sensation of two contrasting forces in nature, the egoistic force, which is our human nature, and its opposite altruistic force, which is the force of nature itself. The attainment of these two forces define the people who, first under Abraham, developed this feeling of reality. They became known as the people of Israel, and later, as the Jews. At a certain point, around 2000 years ago, they lost the sensation of the two forces and lived solely in the egoistic force. That is the meaning of being in exile. Exile has no geographic connotations, that is leaving some geographic land of Israel. It is rather a matter of an inner exile, that we lack the sensation of the altruistic nature, the quality of love, bestowal and connection, in our relations. When we departed from this sensation, we then entered our period of exile and ceased to exist as the people of Israel. Based on the video What is the Exile of the Jews? with Kabbalist Dr. Michael Leitman. Written, edited by students of Kabbalist Dr. Michael Leitman.